Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-8. Exactly what is the New Testament or the New Covenant? It's based on Jeremiah 31, 31. But I would like to know what it was. Was it something new or something renewed? Let's talk about it next. Ancient Roads. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. Take me home. Join us for the next hour as we explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Now, here's our host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Hi there. Once again, we're back on our podcast. This is the second in the uh, two-part series that we're dealing with in the idea of defining what is the New Testament or defining what is the New Covenant based on Jeremiah 31.31. So we'll continue where we left off from the last podcast, dealing with the idea of the verb Beit Resh Hey. That's the term Bara, which is the idea of a, a relationship, an agreement, an arrangement, also of eating and of food and of choosing. There's lots of different ideas that come out of that verb. And that verb also gives us the noun brit, brit, beit, resh, yud, tav, which is a covenant. So this is all related. And on the last podcast, we were looking at some of these ideas and how they relate to relationships and how they relate to eating food or table fellowship between two people or how the ideas relate to choosing one person to another person in a relationship idea. These are all the concepts of Brit and Bara. Now, on the last uh, episode, I was, you know, talking a little bit about my own personal struggle when I was uh, new to the New Testament studies many years ago. And I kept running into a a lot of theological questions about Yeshua and Paul. There really were no clear answers for me at the time. I, I just didn't understand what all this new covenant business was all about because I was so enmeshed into my Judaism and walking in the uh, the Torah, the law of Moses, I just couldn't understand why did we need a, a, a new testament, a new covenant? What was wrong with the old one? What was so bad about it? So in all that I was perplexed about in regards to the new covenant and the old covenant or the new testament and the old testament, With all that that I was battling with, you know, I began questioning a lot of things. And specifically, I started to really try to understand why Yeshua would say in Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood of the new covenant, 
Brihadashah, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, the last time I was also talking a little bit about the ninth principle or article of the Jewish faith, I believe with perfect faith that this Torah, this law of Moses, will not be changed and that there will never be another Torah or law of Moses given by God. That's why we have so many issues going on among Jews. They all think, well, Paul is a nutcase because he just simply got rid of all of the law of Moses. He basically nullified it. And Yeshua or Jesus, well, he was doing the same thing. That's according to them. Now, I don't see it that way, but that's how Judaism basically sees it. So we talked about that on the last episode. And we talked a little bit about the ideas of the term Brit or Bara. And we talked about the ideas of Chadash, Chadash or Chadashah, like Brit Chadashah, something new and fresh or something renewed, restored and revived. Can the term Chadash, Chet, Dalit Sheen in Hebrew. Can it refer to something new and fresh and something renewed, restored, and revived? And the conclusion I came to from the last podcast is yes, it can mean both depending on context. And all you have to do is put the vowels to it and you'll get various terms that refer to various ideas. So you have to look carefully at the context. And then from the Hebrew word brit or beit resh yud tav, that this is all about arrangements, agreements, choice, relationships, health between two people. And we came to the understanding that relationships are designed to keep us healthy on a lot of different levels, that we're not meant ever to be physical or spiritual or even emotional lone rangers. And we learned that our creator chose us not only to be relational one to another, but relational with him. Therefore, he wants us to pursue health through relationships, and this is supposed to be achieved through a bond of shalom or wholeness that is made on two different levels, vertically between Yehovah and man, and horizontally between one another, between you and I. This is why Yehovah said that it's not good for man to be alone by himself. He needs relationships. And we were built as social creatures to be in a social setting, not to scurry off into our little man cave for us guys, which we like to do. Many men do. We're not to scurry off to forever be in our man cave or women to scurry off and be with their girlfriends all the time. We're designed to be in relationships between male and female also, not just one to another. Okay? We're not meant to be alone. So these examples are all the relational ideas of the verb bara and the noun brit. 
an arrangement, an agreement, something about health, something about choice, something about making uh, uh, arrangements between two people. And we learned on the last podcast that relationships can, in fact, turn toxic. And if they turn toxic, we are obliged to try to fix those toxic relationships. Because Yehovah, our creator, he does not like toxic relationships. He wants things fixed. That's his objective of giving us the word brit in Hebrew. This leads us back to Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says Yehovah, when I will make a brit chadashah, a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Jeremiah 31, 31, it continues for the next few verses to verse 34. So in principle, we can understand, we can comprehend the idea that the Hebrew phrase at its core is a relational concept between two parties who choose to accept an arrangement or an agreement, giving us models of choosing, of selecting, cutting a deal, and yes, even eating together for the purpose of sealing and establishing health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. A good place to go to really understand that is in the New Covenant, the New Testament of Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and do what? I will dine with him. I will eat with him and he with me. That is the idea of a covenant. That is the idea of the verb bara and the concept of the noun brit. Both of them deriving from the same idea of a relationship of health, not a relationship of toxicity. Thus, the declaration from Jeremiah 31, 31, I will make a new covenant, can more accurately be interpreted as Jehovah choosing to build a relationship collectively with the house of Yehuda and the house of Israel. Said differently, it is his desire to sit down and dine at table with Israel. Who is Israel? It's a spiritual term. It's a people that take and accept and receive the covenant. In this, he is making a breach, entering into a new and renewed relationship that involves our spiritual health, our emotional health, our physical health on many levels as we eat 
from the fruit of the healthy tree in the Garden of Eden, that is the Etzachayim, the tree of life, instead of eating on and feasting from that toxic fruit tree called the Etzadat Tov Virah, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is a toxic tree. That is a toxic relationship from Genesis chapters 2 and 3. Thus, when Jehovah says, I will make a new covenant, it means A chooses a relationship with B and through choice B then relationally responds to A's proposal. It's all about relationship. This reminds me of the statement that was made in 1 John 4.19. We love him because he first loved us. Notice that. It's very, very important. We love Yehovah. Why? Because he first loved us. So what would be the purpose of trying to clean up your life in order to get him to love you, in order to be worthy of his love, in order to feel that you've earned the right and the worthiness to be loved? Why would we do that when we love him because he first loved us long before we ever acknowledged him? That's the point. We cannot earn his love. We cannot feel worthy of his love. We cannot trade for his love. Kind of a, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. We can't do any of that. He is out of our league. Jehovah is way out of our league. And that is why we love him because he loved us so much that he wanted to bring us in to his presence. He wanted to have a relationship with us. Therefore, he was the one that went through all the work, all the process to get that relationship established so that we could respond to him. So, why the need for a new and renewed relationship with Jehovah? That's a good question. Why do we need a new and renewed relationship with yud heh vav Well, I want to go back to my earlier questions that I posed on the previous episode of this podcast series on the New Covenant. I had asked the question, what exactly is this Jeremiah 31:31 New Covenant relationship? What's it speaking about? Then I asked the question, is this a body of law that was never previously in existence? Or is this body of law and relationship, was it previously in existence and now it just simply needs to be renewed, revived, or refreshed. To answer these questions, I'm going to suggest that we follow the trail back to the beginning of all Scripture, when man was first formed and made, 
in the Genesis creation story. Let's turn to Genesis chapters 2 and 3. Here it is. Genesis 2, 7 through 8 says, And Yehovah Elohim formed the man of the dust of the ground, and did what? Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. As a result, man became a living being. Then it says that Yehovah Elohim planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. So, this is clearly describing a relationship with Yehovah, and that he wanted to make that relationship possible between us and him. Therefore, the first covenant with Adam, with the man, it was relational. It was about, I love you, and I'm asking you to respond and relate to me. Therefore, Genesis 2, 7-8, describes the idea of the Brit, the Beit, Resh, Yud, Tav, the Brit, that's the noun of bara, as a choice that Yehovah asks of us to make in order to establish a connection in the same way that he established a connection with Adam when he put him into the Garden of Eden. So now we're going to continue to have a closer look at this idea from Genesis 3.22. Now here it says... Then Yehovah Elohim said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. This statement found in Genesis 3.22 is very, very interesting because uh, we are not getting it correct. I, I, I can see clearly that we're not getting it correct. Um, I, I just, we have to fix it. That's all. We just have got to look at it in a little bit of a different light. Okay. It's talking about a disconnected relational linking between Yehovah and man. So I want to speak about this divine declaration because it was said after the man and woman made a choice to disconnect to disengage from their relationship with Yehovah. And accordingly, what did they do? They decided to leave the table fellowship with Yehovah, and they decided to go and eat from a different tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Hebrew, etzadat tov verah. They decided not to partake of the Yetzachayim, that is, the tree of lives. Now, it says tree of life, but it's really the tree of lives, because Chaim is lives. Why do we have it in the plural? It's simple, because we have one life here in the physical, and then we are given the choice to then continue on with a life 
in the spiritual dimensions, which is eternal life. Therefore, Etzachayim, the tree of lives, makes sense. It's first we come in physically and naturally, and then we go out and come back in spiritually and in total perfection. That is the tree of lives, or the Etzachayim. That is the tree he wants us to have a relationship with, and that is Yeshua HaMashiach in the kingdom of heaven. But what did Adam and Hava do? They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate from the Etzadato Virah. Hence, we read again in Genesis 3.22, Then Yehovah said, Behold, the man has become like one of us or from us to know good and evil. So when Yehovah Elohim said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, what was going on in that passage, in that statement? that he came to know good and evil like one from us. Yehovah Elohim was expressing his deepest heartfelt sorrow over a relationship that had turned toxic. In other words, the man, Adam, and his wife, woman, chose to break that relationship with their creator, with our creator, with Yehovah. And in doing so, he entered into a different relationship, a completely different relationship with one that is called the Nachash from Genesis 3.1. This was done by eating the food of Nachash, eating the food of Nachash, which was from a different table, instead of continuing in the relationship that he once had with the master and creator. In other words, he took what was one with Yehovah and he simply exchanged it for a oneness and unity with the Nachash, taking what was with Yehovah a unity and transferring that unity, that fellowship, to a different unity, a unity with a different tree, a different table, a different food. He copied the relationship with Yehovah and brought it over to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hence, he says in Genesis 3.22, Yehovah says, Behold, the man has become like one from us. That is, he has become as we were at that one time. Now he traded it in and gave it over to the Nahash, the serpent. Therefore, Genesis 3.22 is that he became like one from us and gave it to him. Therefore, in doing so, he came to know good and evil. In biblical Hebrew, the concept of knowing 
is not about thinking. It's not about intellect or intelligence. Rather, it is uniquely about a relational intimacy between a person and another person. It's uniquely about relational intimacy. And we're going to look at the concept of knowing, which in the Hebrew refers to the idea of a relationship, a relational knowing. We'll look at that after we take a quick break. This is Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. We're here to explore and discover insights into the ancient biblical, Jewish, and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. From time to time, we hope to answer questions and comments from our podcast listeners. So if you have a comment or a question, send us an email to our email address, questions at cominghome.co.il. Again, questions at cominghome.co.il. We will return for the second half of the program after this short break. You are listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-8. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we continue to explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, let's continue where we left off on this idea of the Hebrew term yada or knowing. In biblical Hebrew, the concept of knowing is not about thinking. It's not about intellect or intelligence. Rather, it is uniquely about a relational intimacy between a person and another person. It's uniquely about relational intimacy. It's getting to know someone at a deep level. And that is something that we are lacking even today because we tend to scurry off into, uh, into hiding and we tend to forget all about these relational ideas and just turn ourselves into lone rangers between me and Yah. But Yehovah is all about relationship. Now, we actually have an idea presented like that in Genesis 4.1. This is consummating a marriage. Adam yada et chava ishto v'tahar. Notice the word yada. Now the man knew his woman or his wife and she conceived. In Israeli Hebrew, if we were to ask, do you know so-and-so? You know, it's more like asking them, have you been intimate with so-and-so? But you know, intimacy can be given on many levels. Intimacy can be emotional, but intimacy can also be physical. So we're not talking about a physical intimacy in the idea of knowing in the sense that we're trying to understand it. We're talking about intimacy at an emotional and spiritual level. So in Genesis 3.22, behold, the man 
has become like one of us or from us to know good and evil. It really gives us a kind of snapshot into Jehovah's relationship that he once had with the man. In other words, it was a relationship that was good. It started off good, but then it turned toxic because the man made the choice to bond with another. And that bonding was emotional and spiritual. This is the biblical foundation for what adultery is all about, as Yeshua mentions it numerous times in his teachings. It is in the same way that the man, Adam, came to be relationally intimate with Yehovah on an emotional and spiritual level. So now the man was relationally intimate with good and evil. He was now relationally intimate with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Yetzhadat Tovirah. So, at least, the Genesis 3.22 statement appears to explain the situation in exactly this way. The man was attracted to a new relational oneness with another entity, that is, Nachash, the serpent, of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And that oneness that Adam had was just as intense and intimate as it was previously with Jehovah. There seems to be no difference between the two separate relationships, except for one thing, that Adam covenants with a different partner. Now he covenants with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Yetzadot Tovirah. If you will allow me to paraphrase Genesis 3.22 as I might understand it from the Hebrew. Here's my paraphrase. The man has become intimately and relationally one in a marriage to good and evil in the same type of oneness and unity that he had once with me. He left the unity that we once had and transferred it to a new master. He has given himself over in a relational intimacy to a new partner and has the same type of intimate oneness that we had. He is now in fellowship with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now he's eating from the fruit of sin and death instead of eating from the fruit of eternal life. And the same way that he was in fellowship with me, where I would have given him food to eat from the tree of life. So this dreadful condition could be called man's breach or covenant with death in the Yetzadato Vera, that is, in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because this was Adam's new relationship. The man was no longer one with Jehovah. Now he was one with a different master, that is, good and evil. This leads me to the prayer 
that Yeshua spoke in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was recorded in John 17, 20 through 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be made whole or complete in one. So I would broadly paraphrase it in a different way. And if you would, I wish to offer you my understanding of this prayer of Yeshua and express it through my current understanding through the Hebraic concepts. Let me give it to you now. I desire, Father, that you will repair man's broken relational oneness with us and restore him back to how and what he was when he was one with us. In all mankind, please renew man's previous relational oneness. Please, Put it back together again and do it with us in that unity. Make him whole and complete again as he was in the beginning before he executed that treachery that all of man may also be one in us just as we are one. I in them and you in me This is my prayer, Heavenly Father. So you can see there is a restoration and renewal request from Yeshua to the Father. It's a relational oneness that he's after between Yehovah and the man, Adam, as it was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. That's what I believe to be the key to understanding the prayer of Yeshua in John 17, 20-23, as it is linked to Yehovah's decree that man has become like or as one of, or if you will, a handover of oneness from to know good and evil all represented in that statement of Genesis 3.22. In Jeremiah's day, guess what? Yehovah's heart was still the same as it was in Yeshua's day. To choose the house of Israel and the house of Yehuda as a collective singleness or a collective unity in Yehovah. Through the testimony of this covenant, this breed, through one unified nation, that is, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, Yehovah could then relationally partner with the one healthy house of Israel at a spiritual and emotional and eternal life level in order to restore all mankind, all of the earth, to himself. 
by shining the divine light of his word to the world through his intimate relational oneness established with one unified nation that he would come to call Israel. That's a spiritual term, not necessarily a physical material term. However, for this one unified nation idea to happen, first, Jehovah had to heal the spiritual sickness of his people. And that came out of the Genesis chapter 3 scenario. That's why we got sick, as all mankind was made sick. And then he had to call them into a relational brihadashah with himself, with a new relationship, a renewed covenant. The one that he once had, now it's got to be renewed, which is then also new, because it's renewing and reviving something that was. And that fits the whole idea of 1 John 4.19. He loved us before we loved him. He loved us before we ever loved him. So, to accomplish this renewed relational directive, a new and renewed covenant, a breach, Yeshua instructed his hearers in the act of bara, that is a relationship. That's the root of the noun breach. So, he instructed a relational directive to us that we would choose health on lots of levels, not just emotional, but spiritual and physical, choosing a relationship of spiritual, emotional, and physical health by doing what? By eating together, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally and on every level possible. That's what Yeshua was teaching in John 6, 55-56, when he said, For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Then he says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Therefore, this would be my understanding of the core essence of Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one, when Jehovah spoke through Jeremiah saying, the whole days are coming, says Jehovah, when I will cause a relational event to happen. Again, listen carefully to what he's saying. I'm going to cause a relational event to happen. And this is how it derives in the Hebrew text. The establishing of a new oneness with the house of Israel and the house of Judah but that oneness but will be will be without all the toxicity that was clinging to Adam to the man to humanity from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so since we've been sanctified in this prophesied Jeremiah 31:31 renewed relationship renewed covenant brihadashah how should we then live It's not a trick question, and it's not complicated. We can understand it, 
Based on my understanding of the Hebrew words Brit, Hadashah, and Bara, the answer to the question comes to us right out of the mouth of the word of Yeshua. John 14, 15. If you love me, guard or keep my commandments. John 15, 10. If you keep or guard my commandments, you will live in my love, just as I have kept or guarded my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And 1 John 2, 7-8. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So the new covenant or new testament relationally revolves around four points. Take a note. One, Yehovah's choice to have a relationship with each of us long before we ever recognize that we were and are loved, causing us to respond relationally with Yehovah. Two, Messiah's actions that we break the earthly bond that we had when we were born into this lower world. That's Psalm 139, verse 15. Once broken, a renewed bond could be made in the upper worlds, the invisible dimensions of heaven, where being born from above is the key. And there you can see John 3.3. This is our conveyance or our transference from an earthly toxicity and sickness to the family of man into a heavenly family of health and healing in the eternal word of heaven and earth. And for that, you can see passages like, you know, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 or Colossians 1, 13 through 14. Also, eating and table fellowship with the sent one, the Messiah. That's number three, who makes all this possible for each of us. There you can see Revelation 3.20. And the fourth idea is performing Messiah's collective body of ancient kingdom laws. That's the Mosaic Torah of heaven and earth. That these define what we are now on the inside Oh, yes, and what we will become later on the outside. That you can see Romans 3.23. All this is reflected in the words from Matthew 26.28, when Yeshua said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Therefore, let us rejoice in this new and revived relationship by eating the food of a new and renewed covenant that it would give to each of us what we need for our physical, emotional, and spiritual health as Yeshua said in John 6, 47-48 Most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me has everlasting life
would like to close off this two-episode teaching on the New Covenant with the idea that this relational oneness and choosing to eat from Jehovah's tree of life, the Torah, is extremely important. And that Yah, Jehovah, he renewed his Garden of Eden breed or covenant with Adam and all his descendants. He renewed it now through Yeshua with us. This restoration relates to the Hebrew phrase of Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. That is the Brit Hadashah. That is a renewed relational oneness. And Barah, choosing to eat from the tree of life, not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that fruit. Eat from the tree of life. That's the life of eternal life, not the poison food of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the toxicity of the relationship. We want a non-toxic relationship from the tree of life. With this, Jehovah has spoken to all of us with his declaration of the new covenant. We're eating from him and his tree of life. Therefore, he says from the Hebrew word brew or bara, he says the word labriut to your health. to stay up to date with coming home news and information, simply register your email address with us on our website, cominghome.co.il. From time to time, we hope to answer questions and comments from our podcast listeners. So if you have a comment or a question, send us an email address to questions at cominghome.co.il. 
Again, questions at cominghome.co.il. You've been listening to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, with your host, Avi ben Mordechai. We hope you have discovered fresh insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Yah willing, we'll see you next time for Ancient Roads. Thank you.